0: the look on her face when the teacher of the deaf blind started explaining the programming and assessment that's going to mm-hmm. happen for her kid and wow. It was amazing.
1: That's really powerful. I saw her
0: just sit back in her chair and relax. I think our our parents too, you know, have just uh, dealt with being the one who carries the knowledge
2: for so long. Yeah. From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin, Texas, this is. A Sense of Texas. Here is your host, Emily Coleman.
1: Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm Emily Coleman. You've likely all heard the title, Teacher of Students with Visual Impairment, or possibly the term, Teacher of the Deaf Hard of Hearing. But what about a Teacher of Students with Deaf Blindness? Chris Montgomery is going to tell us more about the TDB pilot program and the Texas Deafblind Project's perspective on this unique expertise. So upon joining Outreach, I was quickly introduced to the idea of a teacher certification in Deaf-Blindness. Can you tell me how this expertise is different from being a teacher of the visually impaired or a teacher of the deaf hard of hearing?
0: Our deaf ed teachers are really going to look at like language acquisition okay? because, you know, our, those kids can't hear or have a hearing deficit, so mm-hmm. it's really like that spoken language or sign language. Our VI teachers are going to be looking more at um, like literacy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you do your FBE LMA, mm-hmm. your learning media assessment, your saying what kind of literacy yeah. is this kid going to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but so neither of those teachers are really, if, with the deafblind kid, are going to be looking at um, both of those things in conjunction with each other, just mm-hmm. by, and I say this is a generality, right. but um, just by kind of the very nature of what they're trained to do and, and how they do it. So um, we would hope that a teacher of the deaf blind could take um, that whole picture of that both of those missing distal senses yeah. and saying what does this kid need to receive information and what does this kid need in order to express themselves to.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a sort of more like an exponential impact on a student that has any level of vision loss and hearing loss combined?
0: Um, yeah, for sure and, and you know there's always the, the age old uh, expression of it's not deaf Plus blind, it's deaf. Times blind.
1: Okay. It's like yeah. a
0: catchphrase um, yeah. that's that's been repeated since I've been here. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of it goes to um, gathering information, being able to gather information. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're missing one of those distant senses, you've got the other to compensate and help you form right. concepts and mm-hmm. about the world and things like that. So I think that that combination is so impactful just on everything from concept development to bonding and interaction, mm-hmm. seeing how a conversation or hearing how a conversation yeah. happens, you know, because there's a a flow to that. Right. Um and not being able to to get that or having chunks yeah. of that missing um is is just I think that's why I, I'm so drawn to working with kids with deaf blindness because mm-hmm. it, it's it feels like it's more of a puzzle to think about that.
1: Well, we all know there currently isn't a certification for a teacher of students with deafblindness in Texas, and I think a creative solution has been the uh, what we call the TDB pilot. Can you share what this is and how it came about?
0: You know, when I first came to Outreach, we were super focused on interveners, and the interveners are very important. But right. um, an intervener is. A paraprofessional they're not there to do assessment they're not there to lead the educational team and I was coming from being a classroom teacher where that was my job Mm -hmm. Um, and also to interact with the kids Um, so I I got you know kind of bent out of shape when uh, (laughs) when we weren't really uh, it sort of felt like we were putting the what do you call that the cart before the horse you know and um, really started trying to get um, my team here in outreach to kind of put more emphasis on the teacher part of it and the professional part. I had a boss then, Cyril Miller, who uh, let me run with things. She saw my my stubbornness, I guess. Yeah. Um, and there were a couple of really cool administrators that I was working with their teams mm-hmm. um, in the Houston area, Sandy Chance and Elaine Robertson. And they were kind of Feeling and seeing the same things that I was—that yeah. we needed a—they prof- needed a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, basically a professional, mm-hmm. um, somebody who would be on the scene year after year and could yeah. um, lead the team no matter where the kid went. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cyril kind of uh, let me partner with those two women mm-hmm. um, and then there was also this other really key player in at the Region 4 Service Center named Cecilia Robinson yeah. and um, she came on board too as, as more of a local um, first responder I guess you would say <laughs> you know from the service center and so We called it a pilot, Mm -hmm. um, and we still call it a pilot. Yeah. Because we still, it's like it changes, it it evolves every time we do it.
1: Yeah, for the better.
0: Hopefully. Yeah. Um, And um, we started doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one was a three-year cycle, but yeah, it was was very successful, and some of those first people that were in that pilot Mm -hmm. are still TDBs in Houston.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's kind of like, there is no teacher of the deaf blind. Like we, right. we need to get make that point, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was. It was. We are going to call you this. We're going to yep. start calling people this. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to give you a title, yeah. even though the uh, certification doesn't exist. Right. Um, but just to get people to identify as mm-hmm. you know, and kind of start a club. Yeah. Um, but so yes. So what we try to do is is find um, a a district that's interested, but then also a person who's interested. Yeah. Um, so the the district or the administrator however you want to say that mm-hmm. would would kind of find that interested person sometimes with us. Yeah. Um, say you're going to be the teacher of the deaf blind and yes, um, it kind of it kind of expands from this person needs to be AI or VI certified okay. already and and one of the reasons we said that is because we didn't want to have to have districts have a third person at yeah, the ARD meeting, that that's sense. money. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're saying from the get-go that this this make-believe certification <laughs> um, should attach itself to already an existing okay. AI or VI somebody that would already have to be at the kids ARD. Right. So that's why we we did that. Mm-hmm. If the person is AI uh, certified mm-hmm. and they are the lead TDB, we'd want their counterpart, their VI person, on that team as well, and then vice versa. Got it. And then we're saying um, we want an O&M mm-hmm. on board, and then a very, very, very critical piece um, is that we have an administrator who's coming to all the meetings because one of the things that we're really trying to instill is systems change. Yeah. And without an administrator mm-hmm. buy-in and help in pushing that forward, it, it's really hard to make it happen.
1: I like the idea of packaging it in a way that we can share it, because I could see that benefiting not just more of Texas, but also other states that are trying to figure out how do we roll this certification out, how do we get this expertise for our kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think another uh, really big piece will be how how do we um, sort of more integrate it? I'm not sure if that's the right Mm -hmm. word, but how do we collaborate more with... Texas Tech or other universities yeah. to get the coursework and mm-hmm. this technical assistance to to line up. Yeah, you know, um, and that would be something too. Like if we can get that going yeah. here, then maybe we can hand it to other states yeah. and make it more of a national thing too. Oh, for sure.
1: So, how do you go about choosing a site for the TDB pilot? Is there any magic to it, or is it just having a district come to us that says? We, we have enough kids that are deaf that we need this.
0: You know, the first time we did it, it started with people that we knew and had a relationship with, mm-hmm. and that's like always very comfortable to be able to sure. do that, <laughs> yeah, but, a good uh, start. <laughs> but um, it can't always be that way yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. So um, really it's been us trying to get the word out and then find people who are interested in some level Mm -hmm. and usually it's going to the administrators um, and saying we've got this wonderful thing that we would like to do Mm -hmm. to you and um, you know a lot of times the administrators are are looking for more training like hey you're gonna train us yeah Yeah, let's do it yeah Um, so seems like we kind of get our foot in the door that way Mm -hmm. without the teams or administrators sometimes really even knowing what they're getting into or knowing (laughs) what we're doing. Yeah. But it's been kind of magic because um, I can't really think of an instance where a district has gone through it, Mm -hmm. any one of these districts, and we've done it with a bunch of them, Mm -hmm. um, where they've gone through it and at the end, we haven't seen kid change, and I'm going to back up just a little. Yeah. Um, we're kind of measuring on three different levels, and we okay. have tools in place to do this. But mm-hmm. um, kid change, teacher change, and then systems change. Yeah, And across the board, um, they're seeing growth in all these areas. So mm-hmm. it's giving the administrators juice to go to their board or whatever they have yeah. to do to try to create this position. And so mm-hmm. we're seeing this. We've got... Um, three districts right now with a teacher of the deaf-blind position, like official position. Wow. Um, We're about to start with Dallas. Mm -hmm. They're already um, trying to create the position before we even start. Wow, that's great. And so it's kind of, I guess, um, grassroots, and Mm -hmm. I guess that's what we thought it would be in the beginning,
1: you know? Right.
0: Um, But it's interesting how now it's getting to be suddenly it's on TEA's radar, and yeah. we've been trying to get that to happen for so long, and um, it's on parents' radar too, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's been really nice to see some of our parents, most of our parents really, like when I say TDB, yeah. for them to know what I'm talking about. Right. And not even know what, not even that, just that, but um, to be advocating for it. Yeah. it's And to me that's where, that's where we've got our juice. You know, That the parents yeah. are really the ones who are gonna.
1: Well, they probably see better than anyone else how unique this subset of our population is. Yeah. You know, they see the, the school systems trying to provide programming for their own kids, and that there's gaps in that. And yeah. so, wanting to find a solution makes a lot of sense.
0: It's almost, yeah, it's like um, the age old, you know, trying to fit some of our kids into into the programs that already exist instead yeah. of creating a program for them mm-hmm. and I think I think our our parents too you know have just uh dealt with being the one who carries the knowledge for so long yeah and it, yeah. I, I've seen them uh I've seen the relief on their I was just <laughs> in a meeting last week where uh I was in Round Rock and Round Rock has a teacher of the DeafBlind yeah. and it's a parent that has moved here from uh, a district up by Dallas uh-huh. and we were in this meeting and the look on her face when the teacher of the blind started explaining the program, programming and assessment that's going to happen mm-hmm. for her kid instead mm-hmm. of her way. having to, yeah. Wow. It was amazing.
1: That's really powerful. I saw
0: her just sit back in her chair and relax and go. Oh, man. Uh, it's
1: probably the best day of her life.
0: <laughs> I don't One it, of them. It felt really good to me. You yeah. Know, I don't know.
1: Well, know? And, and take some of the weight off of the people already in the district. Like, for example, when I was working as a teacher of the visually impaired, as a new teacher, I felt like I was supposed to know everything about all the kids, including those who were deafblind. And it was only later in my career did I realize like, hey, you know, there's something else here that I seem to be missing or that I need some extra guidance. And so it it was, at first it almost felt like admitting defeat to make that phone call um, to our deafblind project. But then it was just like, you know, if I'm sitting at, at the table as a TVI, and across the table for me is a teacher of the deaf, um, then that does not necessarily equate to experience in deafblindness. It's it's different in yeah. a way that's hard to articulate but is obvious when you're trying to help with the programming for those kids.
0: And it's funny, it is hard to articulate. I mean, I've, I've been with the DeafBlind Project for long, more than 10 years now, and I still kind of have trouble mm-hmm. articulating it. And I think it's because you know I'm stating the obvious, but our our deafblind population, our deafblind kids are so different. Yeah. I mean there can be kids who are gifted and talented yeah um, and then there can be kids who really just barely have language
1: How many with your current pilots, how many times a year do you guys get together face to face
0: It's four times a year okay um, well, let me rephrase that we come together four times a year for mm-hmm. for a training okay. Um, then each training is followed by an on-site visit. Mm-hmm. Um, we were noticing that people were coming to our trainings um, and giving us good feedback, good evaluations, great training, Yeah. but then they couldn't put it into practice when they got back.
1: Okay. Because
0: maybe the examples we were using weren't exactly their kid or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so we said with this the model has to be that you come together we learn about interaction Mm -hmm. or something like that yeah but okay now let's go back and practice it in your classroom with your kids with your teachers yeah um so that would make it eight times
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um but then there's also always that's the rule of thumb yeah we do at least eight and then if they need more we Mm -hmm. Almost always do more. Yeah. Um, Zoom meetings, things like that. Too, yeah. So, yeah.
1: well, and uh, I was involved earlier this year on a Zoom meeting that was uh, just administrators. That you have set up this community of practice. Why have you found that it's important to ha- give administrators an opportunity to talk about this um, pilot program?
0: Um, because they need to be able to problem solve together. Yeah. Like I say, it's these big systemsy things like mm-hmm. okay, Round Rock, you established a teacher of the deaf blind yeah. in your regional day. Um right now Plano's interested in doing the same thing. Yeah. Um and those two directors have been talking to each other, but their systems are different. Right. So how do we get these people together and talking about trying to problem solve some of this stuff and and i think it's like anything you know as a teacher as an administrator you you just need to have somebody to talk to sometimes <laughs> if nothing yeah. else you yeah, know
1: like that has the same job as you yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. everybody needs that a little
0: commiseration maybe Yeah, for sure even if you're not going to solve the problem right so right we're yeah. trying trying to provide that and yeah. and get people to make friends and, you know, all that kind of happy stuff.
2: Do you know an infant or toddler in Texas who may have a vision problem? They may qualify for free services. Support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life. Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530.
1: In order for our pilot program to work, we need qualified professionals willing to become a teacher of students with deafblindness. One of those fine folks, Casey Bennett, is joining us to share her own take on this work.
3: So I finished my um, uh, graduate certificate in deaf blindness mm-hmm. and started serving as a TDB. Um, and then my state lead in deaf education chose me for this pilot okay. and um, I have been serving through that and have definitely improved practice with the pilot. I realized that what I was doing before was not great, but <laughs> we've definitely come a long way since then. Mm-hmm. But when I first started as an auditory impairment specialist, um, I had this student and he's completely blind, uh, has intellectual disabilities, and uh, has a hearing loss. And it was so different from my time in the classroom mm-hmm. and from my education and had no idea what to do with him. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to school and that um, went to Texas Tech and started studying deaf blindness and uh, realized that his programming needed to change and there was a lot that I needed to do for him. Mm-hmm. And so once I started diving into that, I realized that this is actually my passion and what I love. And so I've just continued it. So whenever I started the pilot, we had one student that was, had the eligibility code for deafblindness mm-hmm. um, and we have 13 today. Wow. So um, identification was a yeah. huge piece of it. And then once they're identified, we can program appropriately, provide um, the appropriate assessments, deafblind specific mm-hmm. assessments that give us really great data to drive. Um, quality IEPs and using the indicators and making sure that we are doing everything we can for these kids and we've just seen them grow exponentially um, in what they're able to do in the classroom. I think just the lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. I think people not understanding the four ways to qualify and not understanding the benefit of why that makes a difference, why changing the code from AIVI to DeafBlind um, can just change the way that we look at those kids and change identification procedures and make sure that we are uh, using the right assessments and considering all of the factors that go with deafblindness. So once once we started looking at that it really made a big difference for our caseloads. Would you recommend like a TDB pilot program to other districts that have students who are deafblind. Absolutely. Um, and even districts that don't currently have students that are deaf yeah. because you will have students that are deaf-blind <laughs> or you true. may and you don't know you do. Yeah, that's um, and that was a huge piece. We thought we had one kid when we started and, and we had a ton. We just didn't know we had a ton. Um, I think you know, as often as we can, just sharing those four ways, what that looks like, what those different kids can look like, mm-hmm. um, and what their needs are. Standalone alone qualify for a student with an auditory impairment and a student with a visual impairment. Okay. So if you qualify for both, That's the way number one. Um, The second way is if you qualify as a student with a visual impairment and you have a suspected hearing loss. Mm -hmm. So that would be um, a lot of times that's our kids that are medically fragile that we can't sedate to get the good ABR testing. um, But we feel like there's not the responses that we thought there would be. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the third way to qualify is um, what we refer to as mild mild. So that you wouldn't necessarily have to meet all of the criteria to qualify standalone AI or VI, Mm -hmm. but that they um, have both of those impairments. Okay. If you're looking at that, that the, com- that the combination of the two, we create a need mm-hmm. um, for those services. And then the fourth way is a progressive loss. So a lot of times that's our mm-hmm. kids with Usher syndrome, in my caseload at least, that go from um, that they could currently have completely normal vision, mm-hmm. but they're deaf. Um, and that I have a four-year-old that's that way, that has that same thing, that she has totally normal vision right now and she's coded as deaf wine because she has Usher syndrome. And so I just try to tell everybody at every training I go to and any anytime I find people that are serving in any kind of role that could potentially be touching kids that have deafblindness, yeah. uh, how you can qualify, assessments to give, um, ways to get that good data, who to call, to reach out to TSBVI to get the information that they need to better serve the kids because, I mean, my VI and I worked very, very closely together and we were a really strong team. Um, but we didn't know what we were missing. Yeah. We didn't know the pieces that we didn't know. Um, we've just seen huge, huge growth in our kids, um, especially the ones with interveners. It's been life-changing yeah. for them. So wow. we're really, really pleased with what the pilot's done for our district.
1: We all bring something to the table for each of our students, but none of us can know everything. Your state has a deaf project to help fill those gaps. Students who are deafblind are unique within our work and therefore require specific expertise to meet their needs. From the TSBVI Outreach Department and A Sense of Texas, I'm Emily Coleman. See you next time.
2: This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please contact us at podcast at TSBVI.edu.